All right, here we are. Welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignment. Josh Goldberg here. And uh, as has been the case all season, the roller coaster continues for the Blue Jays. We were here on Thursday evening for, um, I don't know, about 10 minutes. And I really just kind of unloaded what has been mounting for a while after the Blue Jays got humiliated by Texas. It's the only way you could describe it. It was as bad as it gets. They lose four straight at home and probably should have expected what happened over the weekend because this is what's happened all season long. It's a zig and zag. It's up and down. Um, It's really been all over the place for the Blue Jays and they sweep the Red Sox and the pitching was sensational, awesome, every adjective you want to throw at it. They f- did enough to allow the offense to not really do much. I, I believe the Blue Jays only scored 10 runs in the, in the three games, which is generally not a recipe to win that many games. But the pitching was awesome, and uh, it allowed them to take care of business. And things looked extremely bleak on Thursday night. And as we sit here on Monday morning, as we're talking here, things look a lot better. Again, the blue Jays gained three games on each of Texas and Seattle who both got swept at, uh, I, Texas was at Cleveland. Seattle was at home against the Dodgers. Seattle's lost seven out of 10 and Texas was six and 16 coming into that series against the blue Jays had a four game out of body experience where they were averaging, I don't know, nine runs a game in those four games. And then immediately reverted back to the team that looked really bad and looked likely to slide out of the playoffs when they dropped. It was at one point, um, I think 16 out of 20 before they took the final two games of a series against uh, Oakland before that series against the Blue Jays. And now the Jays are back in the second wildcard spot. Yes, they don't have the tiebreaker. They're a half game up on Texas and they're a game and a half up on Seattle, but they're back in a decent position. Their playoff odds are good again. They were below 50% after they got swept by Texas. And as we sit here, they're they're almost 80%. They're just above 78%. I'm not really going to put a whole ton of stock because things change so much based on one day. If you lose a game and then Texas and Seattle both win a game, the odds will wildly fluctuate. And the same thing goes for if the Blue Jays win a game and one or both of those teams lose on, on the same night. So there's no point at this point in trying to really guess what's going to happen the rest of the season. There's uh what 12 games left and it's all against the Yankees and the Rays. It's a road trip through New York and Tampa followed by a homestand with New York and Tampa coming to town. The Rays are not a team that uh, you ever feel good about taking care of business against historically. That's not been the case. And yeah, they, they're without Shane McClanahan and they don't have Wander Franco either, but that hasn't stopped them from continuing to win at a really high clip. And they're only two games back of the division lead um, of the Orioles. So that's there's going to be plenty to play for in those series for them, you would imagine. And uh, let's dive into what happened over the weekend. And The big issue against Texas, I thought, was the starting pitching and really the pitching in general, but particularly the starting pitching was not particularly good. Um, You look at Bassett in the first game, Gosman struggled, uh, Kikuchi struggled as well. 
they just weren't sharp in those four games from a pitching perspective and the offense didn't do anything to bail them out. And then you look at what happened against Boston and the pitching was sensational all weekend long. Ryu wasn't, wasn't great on Sunday, but he was good enough. He mitigated damage well and didn't allow things to kind of, um, slide off into the deep end and you look at what Bassett did and you look at what Brios did as well. And they were awesome. And they gave the blue Jays everything and more that they needed. And that allowed them to win those games. Boston's ineptitude with runners in scoring position really all weekend, but Saturday and Sunday you look at allowed the blue Jays to skate by when there were plenty of situations where teams would have taken advantage and scored a bunch of runs or scored some runs to make things difficult on the Blue Jays. The Red Sox didn't. And Saturday's game in particular was really uh, just a perfect summary of the season that's been a lot of missed opportunities, some horrific base running mistakes, Kirk getting thrown out at third, Merrifield getting picked off at second. But they were given enough opportunities and, and scraped by there. And sort of the same thing happened on Sunday to win that game three to two, they did just enough. And at this point, that's all that matters. Just do enough consistently to make the playoffs. And am I expecting fireworks here over the next couple of weeks offensively? Probably not because it just hasn't happened really at any point this season, but who knows? That's at this point, expect the unexpected with this Blue Jays team. It's just it's been a, a lot to digest really all season long, but they're back in a decent position heading into the final two weeks of the season. And they just have to find a way to take care of business against the likes of the Yankees and the Rays. And I understand that the Yankees don't have a ton to play for. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're in the midst of one of their more disappointing seasons in, in recent memory. They're fighting to finish 500 or better. They're, they're two games over, I believe at 76 and 74. Yes. Jason Dominguez is out of the lineup. That's certainly a, a nice development for the blue Jays because he had looked really dangerous since getting called up, but there's still plenty of guys in the Yankees lineup who can beat you. Glaber Torres is having a pretty good year. Volpe has been good of late. You're never going to really feel great about pitching to Aaron judge, even though he slumped of late Stanton, sort of the same thing. There are guys, no doubt. And, and, and the Yankees have been pitching better um, of late and they're going to see Michael King, who all of a sudden is a starting pitcher looks really good. His strikeout rate has been really good since being moved to the rotation. And the final game of the series is going to be started by the, I would say overwhelming favorite at this point, but certainly he's in the, driver's seat to win his first Cy Young and Garrett Cole and Clark Schmidt has been pretty solid of late as well. And he's starting the first game of the series. So it's going to be challenging, no doubt about it. And anytime you go to Tropicana field, it's going to be challenging as well. So uh, there's obviously a lot on the line every night now for the blue Jays. And I just buckle up is all I can really say at this point. And I, I did want to give uh, Chad Green, I thought, looked really good on Sunday. And he's been, honestly, outside of that first stinker against Colorado, which you can chalk up to a number of different factors. First major league appearance in more than a year, Coors Field. He's been really good, I, I, I have generally thought. You look at a lot of, he had one blow-up outing against Texas, 
in not the highest of leverage, but when he's been called, he's generally done a, a good job. And he was awesome on Sunday, got four outs, a couple of strikeouts in a big spot bridge to Swanson who yes, gave up the home run to Devers with two strikes and two outs in the top of the ninth. But I honestly didn't even think that was a bad pitch. That was just a really good hitter putting a, a good swing on a good pitch and, and hitting it the other way for a home run. So I, I don't really have that much of an issue. You know, Rom- Romano was unavailable. Hicks Mesa were unavailable pitching what would have been three consecutive days. And I understand that if you make the playoffs, that's going to probably have to change if you're in game three of the wild card series and some of those guys have pitched in back-to-back days i would expect that they're going to have to go again that's just there's no tomorrow if you're talking about a third game of a wild card series and i could have seen an argument for using them but even with an off day you do want to at least exercise some level of discretion or caution and not put a pitcher in a bad situation where you risk, I don't know, injury or just ineffectiveness. Some guys just aren't effective pitching without rest and certainly pitching without rest on a third consecutive day. So uh, Green certainly did his job in that situation. Jimmy Garcia as well did his job. Uh, Yenesis Cabrera has kind of fallen on some more challenging times of late. His command has not been good as of late after being awesome in the first what seemed like month of his career with the Blue Jays. He was pumping in strikes, pounding the strike zone, and that's eluded him a little bit. And that's when he's much more hittable or just much less effective is when his command isn't quite there. So uh, hopefully for the Blue Jays' sake, he gets that back. But offensively, like I said, 10 runs in three games. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was one of the highlights. He hit home runs in three straight games, hit a big home run on Friday night. It was really all the offense. There was a point up until Saturday in the late stages where they went more than 30 innings where the only offensive production was courtesy Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home runs. So you look at his season-long numbers, they're still not tremendous. His OPS is about 790. He's hitting under 270, 24 home runs, 90 RBIs. He has a chance to reach 100, and if he gets hot, maybe he flirts with 30 home runs, and it's still not going to be a particularly great season for him, but it does speak to his talent level and and just ability to still be relatively productive in the counting stats that he could drive in a hundred and yeah, anything sub 30 home runs is certainly a big disappointment, but we're still talking about a a hitter who's going to probably be 15 to 20% better than league average. And I'm not going to sit here and say that he's having anything approaching a good year. We've watched it all year. It's been a bad year. I don't think there's any way to get around that. It just hasn't been what the Blue Jays have needed. It hasn't been what Guerrero has needed, but you can make a lot of that disappear with a strong close in September and a good, if you get their performance in October, look at Bryce Harper last year. He didn't like, he had a great regular season, but everybody remembers what he did in the playoffs. Reese Hoskins for the Phillies hit a bunch of big home runs. His season long numbers and, and especially his playoff long numbers weren't, amazing but he did enough in big moments that that's all you're gonna remember like Bryce Harper last year 
Yeah, he only played 99 games. He had an 878 OPS in, in the regular season. That's coming off of an MVP year in um, 2021 when his OPS was well over 1,000. And nobody remembers the fact that he only played 99 games and only hit 18 home runs because of what he did in October. And legends are made in October. It's not hyperbole to say that. If you can have the run that uh, puts you in the conversation as a clutch hitter and somebody that can really power your team to success in the biggest moments. That's all that anyone will remember in 2023. If you're able to have that individual success and the team is able to have the success that enables it to go on a run into, I don't know, the, at least the second, if not third week of October or, or certainly further. Um, if you're talking about making it to the championship series or the world series. So you know, the Blue Jays got to get there first, but Vladdy's starting to show some signs of life in a really important moment. Uh, Kevin Biggio also deserves a, a lot of praise. He has been awesome as of late over the last couple of weeks. He's hitting over 300. His on-base percentage is almost 430. He hasn't struck out that much. I believe over the last two weeks, his strikeout to walk rate ratio is even I think it's eight strikeouts to eight walks over the last um, couple of weeks so that's very impressive he had a really good at bat in the ninth worked it to a full count went the other way for a single and then ended up scoring the game winning run on that Chapman double that I was I thought that was gone off the bat it kept carrying and carrying and then just didn't get out that's really been Strangely, a theme of Matt Chapman's Blue Jays career has been a lot of deep fly balls that seemingly die at the warning track or hit off the wall in center or right center. Maybe you'd like to see him pull a few more balls to get more home runs, but he did enough in that situation to drive in the run. And you look at, uh, yeah, Kevin Bichy over the last 15 games, hitting 310 with a 415 on base. OPS is almost 900, 10 strikeouts, nine walks. Yeah, he only has one home run. He's knocked in nine over those 15 games, has 13 hits. His last 30 games, he's been good as well, hitting 275 on base percentage of almost 400. Has been exactly what you would want from the role that's being asked of him. Versatile, utility type player, not necessarily penciled into an everyday role at one position, but is doing the most with the opportunities and is playing in a bunch of different situations and is coming up big in important spots. And we saw that, like I said, on Sunday. So certainly really good stuff from Kevin Biggio. Some not so great developments over the last couple of weeks have been the performances of George Springer. For the most part, he's had moments. Uh, Bo Bichette has not really looked himself since coming off the aisle. And David Schneider is gone in the freezer a little bit he's hitting a buck 70 over the last two weeks Bo's hitting a buck 43 Springer's hitting 218 and you're talking about three guys who are hitting in the top four or five of your lineup when you're talking about them hitting below the Mendoza line or just over and not really providing a ton it's not difficult to see why you're only scoring 10 runs in three games and you're scoring nine runs in a four game series against Texas your best players or your most important players or the players who are in the spots where they're getting the most at bats or they're coming up at big spots, because that's generally what happens when you're talking about hitters who are batting first, second, third, or fourth, when they're hitting at that, I guess, 
there's that level of futility, let's call it, you're going to struggle to score runs. And that's going to continue to be the case as long as those guys are doing that. And Bo Bichette is nowhere near 100%. I don't think anyone who has watched him this season when he was at his best and now scuffling the way that he has, he's hitting a buck 77, a buck 67 rather over his last 15 games. He's three for his last 27. He doesn't have a home run in a while. He's got two home runs in his last 30 games. Um, he's just not driving the ball with the same authority to all parts of the field. I don't know if it's a compensation thing with the injury, the quad, the patellar. I have to assume that's probably part of it. But if you're in the lineup, even at less than 100%, you need more than three hits and 27 at-bats and 10 hits and 60 at-bats. And even over his last 30 games, he's got a 672 OPS. It just hasn't been sharp for him. And the Blue Jays are going to be hard-pressed to really do much if he is a shadow of his usual self. So that's obviously something that is going to have to be closely monitored here over the next couple of weeks because they need him to get on track here over the next two weeks, or they're going to be in difficult to make the playoffs. I I would say we thought George Springer, I I certainly was ready for it, had a a good start to September and has really cooled off as of late. And same thing at the top of the lineup, you need him to be productive for this lineup to approach anything near what has been expected or touted or hoped for all season long. He's four for his last 28 with one RBI. He's hitting 228 over his last 15 games. And even over his last 30 games, yeah, he does have five home runs, but his OPS is in the mid 700s. And that's where it's been all season. He's got a 728 OPS, which is going to be the lowest of his career. Only the second time in a season it's been under 800. It's fair to wonder if we're seeing some decline here as he approaches the age of 34 i believe he will turn 34 tomorrow again if if the blue jays get into october and have a run and he's part of it you won't remember the fact that he's going to have arguably the worst full season of his career like george springer is playing he's already set a career high in games played or rather second somehow he played 162 games in 2016 But this is the second most games he's played in a season in his career and the most he's played in a season since 2018. This is the first time he's been at 140 games since um, 2018. If you had told me before the season that the Jays were going to get approaching 150 games of George Springer, I would have been, oh my God, through the, through over the moon, it would have been. If you had told me that, I would have said there's absolutely no chance that's happening. If he gets to 135, that would be a huge win, considering the track record over really his whole career, but certainly his Blue Jays tenure and and really over the last at least three, four years. I would not have believed that. And it's just really a fitting theme of the season that he's been healthy by and large and has just not been consistent or productive really all season long Uh, 143 games and a 728 OPS it's just a cruel twist of fate that he's been healthy but hasn't been able to perform 
relative to his career norm. So again, you can change that with a good finish to the season. And if you get into the playoffs, a good run in October, but it's hard to look at the whole body of work for George Springer this season and feel anything other um, than underwhelmed. David Schneider, I think it was bound to happen. There was going to be some adjustments made and he just has to find a way to adjust back. The strikeout rate has crept up. Season-long numbers are still obviously great, and he's given you so much that even some slumps that we've seen of late, you're not really going to hold that against him too much because of just how much of a spark he provided for this team when he came up and and for the first few weeks of his major league career. But he's now in a position where uh, the Blue Jays need him to provide some some thump and just a presence in the lineup, especially without belt who his absence has been felt. Uh, I, I would really say it's been noticeable without him in the lineup. Um, hopefully he's back, but a mid thirties guy with a back issue is certainly not what you want. Um, especially with a flare up, a reoccurring situation. Hopefully he's back sometime soon, but um it's not great there, but uh, yeah, the, I, I really do think that the Jays have, felt the absence of Brandon Belt. Uh, Matt Chapman, obviously the big hit on Sunday, the double, had a couple of hits, drove in that run. It hasn't been great this season. Defensively, has mostly it's mostly been what you would expect from him, but outside of April. And I think he was good one other month of the season. I think it might have been June. But otherwise, it was rather July. He had a 908 OPS in July, and obviously uh, he was player of the month in April, but you look the rest of the season, the OPS 585 in May, 633 in June, uh, 532 in August, 599 so far in September. He's probably at less than 100% as well with that finger issue, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens um, this offseason. Again, he has a good close to September and the Blue Jays go on a run and he plays a role in that. I still think some team out there is going to look at his body of work over his career and another pretty strong defensive season. And if they have a hole at third base, I don't know if he's going to get six years. Like it looked was possible, if not probable early on in the season, but I would think some team is going to give him a four year deal for, I don't know, at least 20 million per season. I do not think it's going to be the blue Jays. And I, Honestly, don't think that would be a mistake, but he has settled in as a mid 700 OPS player strikes out a lot. Obviously there's pop in there. It is regressing. We're talking about somebody who playing at least hundred games is going to have the fewest home runs in a season. If he's played hundred plus games in his career, it hasn't been a, a banner year. It certainly hasn't. Been, like you look at Cody Bellinger's walk season with the Cubs or he signed a one-year deal. He set himself up beautifully to get a huge contract and a number of suitors will line up. Matt Chapman hasn't had that year. And I just wonder, like, would the Blue Jays offer him a qualifying offer? Would he take it? I think the answer to him taking it is still probably no, because I, I do think that you're talking about a player who is 30 years old there's risk involved with everyone would say, Oh yeah, well he takes a, a one year prove it deal has a really good year and sets him out, sets himself up to break the bank next off season. 
Maybe, but maybe he has a similar year to this year or perhaps a worse season or an injury. There's all sorts of factors that could come up that I think at, at once you hit 30, you want to just lock in as much security as you possibly can. And if a team is willing to give Matt Chapman something approaching what he feels is a fair amount of term and, and financial commitment, I think he's going to take it. Would leave the Blue Jays in a weird spot. They don't really have a third baseman ready to replace him. There are some concerns, I think, about Arelvis Martinez's defensive abilities at third base. Addison Barger feels like maybe more of a utility player in terms of defensively, not necessarily somebody that you slot in at third base every day. They don't really have somebody that you would look at right away that's leaping off the page and say, yeah, that's my 2024 everyday opening day third baseman. So there is certainly some some risk involved if Matt Chapman leaves. Maybe you look at signing a stopgap and allow somebody like a Martinez more time to maybe make some some headway, some strides at third base. I think the Blue Jays probably would offer him a qualifying offer just to get that um that draft pick compensation if he goes somewhere else. But it's much more of a qu- intriguing question than it was several months ago. And I'm really fascinated to see what happens there um, with Matt Chapman. We'll see what he does here over the close of the season. He can change the conversation uh, a little bit if he does have a productive finish to the 2023 season, but it's hard to argue that it hasn't uh, been underwhelming so far the first few months of the season outside of obviously his April player of the month. I I did want to get to some tweets, just how, People are uh, feeling after a three-game sweep. Uh, Jay Jason says, "Just a comment. Could this team be any more of a roller coaster of emotions? No, it could not. It, it's as wild and wacky of a season as I can remember. I'm 34 years old. I've been watching baseball for a long time, as long as I can remember. Going to games, watching games. It's hard to argue that there's been more of just a." And in terms of a team that is in contention for something, whether it's the division or a playoff spot, yeah, yeah, it's hard to argue. Like if you had told me before the season that the Jays would finish with a better record than the Red Sox and the Yankees and still be double-digit games out of the division lead and scrapping to make the playoffs, I would have said you're nuts. And (laughs) That just is another feather in the cap of 2023. It just has not been anything approaching what anyone would have expected. And that's kind of the beauty of baseball. It's never going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. And what happened on a given day is not likely to be a precursor to what might happen the next day. Look what we're talking about getting absolutely smoked by Texas and then coming out and doing just enough to make up three games on Texas who got smoked against Cleveland. They stunk the joint out and the Blue Jays make up three games. Texas, Seattle makes up three games. The Dodgers basically put out your classic after clinching a division lineup and still beat Seattle on Sunday because the Dodgers are the Dodgers. And I, I still don't really buy Seattle. They had one insane stretch where they, I believe, set a franchise record for wins in the month of August. And other than that, they've been a middling at best team all season long. And sometimes you are what you are. 
one great month doesn't necessarily change that. It doesn't make up for four other months of mediocre or worse at times performance. And that's really where Seattle's been. Same thing with Texas. Yeah, they were as as good of an offensive team as any in the first half of the season, but injuries have a way of catching up to you. And that sort of happened. Pitching has not been their friend. Scherzer's hurt. Obviously DeGrom lasted for like a month before he got hurt. And Garcia and Young being out of the lineup is certainly not helpful. And yeah, they're, they had a bunch of guys up and down the lineup really beat the Blue Jays up. And it's unfortunate for the Blue Jays that it happened that way, but they reverted back to the form that they showed for the previous month against Cleveland. And that's all that matters is that, you know, when they lose, you take care of your business. And the Blue Jays did that. So they made up three of the four games that they lost. Yes, you could sit here and say, oh, well, if you would just split those four games, look at the position you'd be in right now. I don't want to play that game. I, I'm not going back in time. Yes, obviously, you could say that about any number of games over the course of this long, wild, winding road of a season. But at this point, you are where you are. The games are, um, the games have been what they've been. And at this point, you have two weeks left. Yes, it's all against American League East teams. You're off to a good start. Um, you swept the Red Sox. I, I can't think of a season series where every series was a sweep, right? Uh, Boston swept the first seven and then the Blue Jays swept the last six. It just was a crazy season series. Yes, the Red Sox ended up winning it, but to scrap it out seven and six after starting at seven and oh, just another kind of footnote in what has been a just a a truly, to me, unprecedented season of Blue Jays baseball. Um, another tweet, if the Jays make the playoffs, could Ryu get one of the three starting spots? I don't think so. As great as he's been and as surprising, honestly, to me as it's been, he still profiles as a five and dive guy. Maybe you could look at it as in the right matchup, you piggyback him or he goes a few one time through the order and then you have... Kikuchi, let's say, ready to go. But I, I still think that the top three is in some order Gosman, Barrios, and Bassett. They've been your best guys really all season long. Yes, Gosman has struggled of late. Um, but Bassett and Barrios have had some blow-ups, certainly, but the body of work over the course of nearly six months, I think, dictates it. But I, I think depending on who you play, I could foresee a situation where you consider a Ryu Kikuchi situation. Um, but I, I still think that those are your guys that they've been your guys all season long. And I think that, um, that's more likely to be the case. And, uh, one more Matt says, can we get two weeks of good offense, please? That's my thought. Probably not. You haven't really had it all season long. Let's hope so. But I, I would bet against it because we're talking about 140 games of inconsistent offense, but I'm I'm done trying to say definitively what will or won't happen. There's no point. I have no idea. Nobody has any idea. If anything, if we've learned anything over nearly six months of this Blue Jays season, it's to expect the unexpected. And I'll leave it at that. So as always, I appreciate the tweets. I appreciate the interaction. At Jake Goldberg 12 is where you can find me on Twitter. At DFA underscore pod is where you can find the podcast. 
Uh, please rate, review, like, comment, subscribe, designated for assignment, wherever you find your favorite podcast. I appreciate it as always. Thanks as always for listening. I'm Josh Goldberg, and we'll talk to you next week on the next episode of Designated for Assignment.